My name is Sonia Brock, and I'm podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Chatham was a city of 30,000 souls, more rural than urban, truth be told. The number 30,000 was very important back in the day when I lived there, since it defined Chatham as a real city and not just a town. I remember the town characters and stories. Some high school lads were hauled up in court for painting a farmer's cow blue. Why did you paint that cow blue, the judge asked sternly. Because, Your Honor, we didn't have any red paint. Now there was a local woman of loose morals, and no one remembered her real name, but she was called Mrs. Pickle. This may have been a phallic reference. She had many, many children whom she loved very much, but they were as near wild as children could be, and the school system groaned in anticipation as each little pickle worked his or her way through the system, soon to be followed by the next wave of pickle kids. The children were all named after priests or nuns or Catholic saints. We were Protestant, and Catholicism was a mystery religion to us. The Catholics had two very big churches, and the main one downtown was loudly marched on on a Sunday in July by Orangemen. The general term used for Catholics in Chatham then was Dogans, a derogatory Canadian term no longer much in use. There were Catholic French-Canadian misses at my Girl Guides group who taught me to swear in French. We thought Allez, au diable, was a fiercely bad thing to say and practice it carefully. There was a teaching nunnery called the Pines. I can remember seeing on a wooded path leading back to the mean house a group of young nuns in their novice habits joyously dancing a kind of ring around a rosy, and their happiness was so pure that it evoked in me a longing for the contemplative life of a nun. On a more professional level, there was a local house of ill repute. High school boys called the place up one time and asked the lady in charge how much they could get for five dollars. She replied, Not even a sniff, boys, not even a sniff. Then there were cautionary tales. The one I remember is of a local worthy who went into a downtown drugstore with a soda counter one very hot summer day and ordered up a whole glass of cracked ice. He downed the lot and promptly died of a heart attack. Children would solemnly be told this tale with the tagline, and let that be a lesson to you. There were local sayings, a kind of dry rural wit. The one I remember is, Do you think the rain will hurt the rhubarb? Rhubarb can handle any amount of rain. Another was, Quite a spell of weather we're having. This suited all occasions. I also remember high school legends about getting high if you added aspirin to Coca-Cola. Never tried it, so I can't say if it worked or not. 
Reminds me of that urban legend in New York City in the 60s that the inner white lining of banana peel would have the same effect if smoked. That one I know was not true. World War II had impressed a number of prisoners of war and allies with the benefits of living in Chatham. So we had Japanese and German, also Dutch immigrants, as well as a full load of sojourners from the British Isles. I remember one Dutch family that saved and scrimped and put all their money into farm equipment and livestock and the like, but had a wood stove in the house and not much else until that magic moment came when the investment paid off. We were unaccustomed to such disciplined frugality. They had an enormous manure pile next to the barn, a veritable veritable hill of bovine end product and this was carefully spread over the fields in the early spring when it was still cool. You could tell when the manure ended by how green the field was or wasn't, as the case may be. When I think of Chatham in summer, I see milkweed and monarch butterflies, and my mind drifts back to an earlier time, remembering that we were saving milkweed down during the wartime, Bags of milkweed fluff were used in military life jackets during World War II. Tinfoil, then, was rolled into balls and dropped in strips later to confuse enemy radar. Dumped in quantity, these strips simulated armadas of bombers on radar screens or ground controllers, who would then misdirect intercepting aircraft and anti-aircraft guns against tinfoil while attacking bombers would sneak past the distracted defenses. Back then, tin cans were saved and flattened, too. A poster told us, prepare your tin cans for war. Remove tops and bottoms, take off paper labels, wash thoroughly, flatten firmly. And in school, we bought war bonds. I can be reached through my website at soniabrock.com. S-O-N-I-A. B-R-O-C-K.